Hi, welcome to the ministry of Prophet Daniel Jedu, a word and spirit based ministry because we are born of the word and born of the spirit. His God given mandate is to raise base in Christ into spiritual maturity by a deliberate teaching of the complete and pure word of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and to take the gospel to the nations of the earth. Prophet Daniel Jedu is the lover of the word and a passionate teacher of the word of God and his ministry is accompanied by strong teaching, healing and prophetic grace. All over the world, his teachings are boasting the faith of many people and revealing what the mind of God is for them. Many people have come to receive supernatural encounters through his ministry. The message you are about to listen to has been designed by God specifically to grow you into spiritual maturity. So many people have received testimonies by listening to Prophet Daniel Jedu's podcast. Say your testimony with us, leaving a write-up of it in the comment section. Or you can send it to us via email at contact at pdjministries.org. Now, Prophet Daniel Jedu walks us through the word. Stay tuned. That is why you must learn to be with the Holy Spirit. When people have evil thoughts about you, when people have evil, you know, issues in their heart, evil against you, and you are, you are always with the Holy Spirit, it will be exposed. Don't join the commoners. Start learning to separate that is why you must be watched by the word. Watched by the word. And allow yourself to be watched. Don't be like, become like a pig. Who, when it is washed, will go back into the gutters as though nothing had happened to it. Let the word of God wash you and become that clean in your conscience and keep moving up the ladder of spirituality. Can you see that? Alright, go back. When they are washed here, now the priest will now enter into the holy place. Now there are three, the big holy place like that, there's only three items that are more important to God. Now in your life, as you grow spiritually, there must be few things that are very important to you. If everything is important to you, you are still down there. Okay? As you grow up the spiritual ladder, if a lot of things are important to you, Weddings are so important to you. Everything, everything, funerals, everything is so important to you. No. As you grow up the ladder and spend time with the Holy Spirit, He will show you that which are mundane and that which are holy. Even what you wear becomes supernatural. You don't just put any, anything up because your mind wants to wear you put on things because the Holy Ghost agrees that you should wear. You just don't bring friends into your life. Because remember, you, are, you now have a best friend who now decides which friend you should take on. If today, if you grow up your special ladder and every friend is your friend, you are giving your numbers out just like that. You are still among the people. Remember, they are, show, show. Look at them. See. Friends. When you enter here, the number of things must decrease. Because it's serious business. The sacrificial. Then when you get here, look. The priest here. Only a few. Then they must now enter into the holy place. The common things in your life must drop. The common things must drop. 
That's what we call sanctification. Because when you enter into the holy place, only three things are important to God. And then when you enter into the holy place, only one thing is important to him. Did you hear that? When you enter into the holy place, show us the divided thing. Only three things. Look at it. One. In fact, one, two, and three are the most important thing to him. When you enter here, it's only one thing. You can't walk with God when everything is important to you. You cannot. You cannot. Because here, there's only one person that comes in here. Here may be only a few of the priests. But what is important to God are three things. One, two, three. This is the table of his presence. Of his fellowship. And on it, we have 12, you know, bread. Six, six. Layers, this one. 12. So this table is called the table of his fellowship. And on the table of fellowship is the bread, the show bread, or the bread of his face, or the bread of his presence. This is one of them. Then we have the menorah. This one. This is not the original. The original is like. And it's made of gold. Now, when the priest enters the holy place, the first thing they do is that they light the menorah. Now, if they don't light the menorah, the place is so dark that they can't see anything. Then when they are done with the menorah, then they must now walk, go to what we call the table of incense and begin to offer incense before the curtains. This one. It's called the altar of incense. Now, this altar of incense is, is different from the brazen altar. At the brazen altar, that is where the blood sacrifice takes place. Here, another kind of sacrifice happens here. It's called prayer. Now, this brazen altar, show me the priest with the smoke. Here, when the priest offers the sacrifice, this incense must burn the whole day. It must burn throughout the time they are giving their sacrifices in the morning and the evening. And it must burn the whole day. Now look at something. There is a curtain right in front of the altar of incense. Just beyond the curtain is where we have the ark of God. What is happening here? In the holy place, when you enter there, the priest gets into the area of fellowship and eating of the word. After they had lighted the lampstand. What is this lampstand? Who is this lampstand? What is the significance of this lampstand? Who is the light? Why is it called the golden lampstand? In Revelation chapter 1 verse 12 to 20. 
John went into heaven and saw a man whom he had never seen before. The man was talking. He fell down out of fear. <laughs> then he said, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Remember the word golden. Golden candlesticks. Uh-huh. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, what you just saw, in the midst of it, was one, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and get about the paps of a golden girdle. And when I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. Uh-huh. And walking among the lampstand. Does it make sense to you? There's a golden lampstand standing. But there's somebody walking amongst it. There's somebody walking among the golden lampstand. I saw someone like a son of man. Wearing a full length robe. With golden sash. Over his chest. Uh-huh. His head and his hair. Were white like wool. White as glistening snow. And his eyes were like flames of fire. And all these have meanings. His feet were gleaming like bright metal. As though they were glowing in a fire. And his voice was like the roar of many rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. And his face was shining like the brightness of the blinding sun. When I saw him, I fell down at his feet as good as dead. But he laid his right hand on me. The right hand that was holding the, 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 the stars. And I heard his reassuring voice saying, Don't yield to fear. Don't yield to fear. I am the beginning and I am the end. Uh-huh. The living one, I was dead. But now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. <laughs> oh. Look, for him to say he was the one that died, that lived and died, and now lives on forevermore. For it's an assurance to me. It's an assurance to me. He's, he said, I live on forevermore. There's no death waiting for him again. And if there's no death waiting for him again, then what it means is that whatever he has promised, whatever he said he's doing, he's living and he's alive to make sure they happen. <laughs> look, at it, look at how the Bible describes him. He's the living one. He's the living one. See, you must appreciate these things. So when you are worshiping, you are praising him. You must have lyrics. You, know, you must have lyrics. Oh Lord, I worship you. I thank you. I... When you keep playing in the, in the outer court, your language is different. When you come into the holy place, your language is different. 
How can you see the table of fellowship? How can you see the bread? I'll come to those parts. You see the menorah. Even the, men the mystery of the menorah alone. Look at what we are reading. Then we get to the altar. Let's finish reading. We'll come there. And he said, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. Now, I want you to write what you have seen. What is, what comes after these things that I have, that I revealed to you? Go on. Then the 20. The mystery of the lampstands and the seven stars is this. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. The seven churches and the seven stars in my right hand are the seven messengers or the angels of the seven churches. So in the temple, God introduced the church before the church came. Now when we read on from in the book of Revelation, you will see the Holy Ghost as a light or a, you know, the light upon the lamp. Show me the, the throne of God. Let me show you where the church is seated. In Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let me continue. So, the lampstand is there. Now, when the, holy, when the priest enters into the holy place, the first thing before fellowship and before the bread and before the altar is the lighting of the church. Is the Holy Ghost upon the church. Who is going to do the fellowship? Is the church. Because the Holy Ghost is not for the world. The Holy Ghost is for the church. That is why he's always a light unto us. Can you see that? When he came to the disciples, the first sign we saw was a tongue of fire upon their heads and he entered them. So they light this menorah that represents the church. Meanwhile, the church had not come. Look at where the church was. Now, the curtain here was blocking the church from God. That is how the church was miserable. The church place was only here. At least it was enjoying some holiness. But he had not crossed to the father. Now the father is sitting there. Not as a merciful father. But as a just God. He sees sin. He deals with it. He sees unrighteousness. He deals with it. So, the curtain, which we will know later, was covering the father from seeing and from getting in contact with the sin that was out there. Even the sin that was in the outer court. Because if he sees the sin on the outer court, he will deal with them. Now you see, in Hebrews, Revelation chapter 4, the Bible describes God, a thousand upon thousands of angels, you know, four beasts, etc. And then this same menorah is sitting right in front of God. And the 24 elders are seated next to him. Next, I mean, they are seated like this. Then there are four beasts in there, according to the book of Ezekiel. And there are the seraphims that are also moving around the throne of God. But there is still a lamp sitting right in front of God. This is Revelation chapter 4. When Jesus came and his sacrifice was, was accepted, the church was taken from right in front of God's presence to his side. 
the church is no longer, you don't read the scriptures again. He said, for he raised us up together and has made us sit together with him on his right hand. Now the place of the church has been elevated. It has been elevated from just right in front into. Now when, when we are talking about all this, nobody dares talk about, nobody talks a lot about the, about the menorah in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. But today, you can't talk about the book of Revelation and not talk about the church. The church has been glorified. The church has been upgraded. No longer, I mean, we are no longer, I mean, we, we are not only the menorah, but we have become the bride. You cannot finish reading the book of Revelation without talking about the church. The church has become the most important part of the story of God. That is it. So the menorah. Okay. Go back to the temple. Jesus, thank you. Now you see, the menorah still talks about Christ. Now we go to the table of his, uh, of his fellowship. And the 12, show us the other one. And the 12 bread. Now, in the Old Testament, God used this bread to tell us of the story of the tribes of, of Israel. When Jesus came, he moved beyond the tribes of Israel and he began to pull 12 people for himself to tell you about something about the number 12. He was saying that in the place of fellowship, that is where government, because the number 12 is the number of government. In the fullness of government. When a man spends time with the Holy Ghost, you begin to receive upgrade. You begin to receive. You see, because you get to understand the things of the spirit. Listen, I'm telling you, there are some men of God that have, that have never encountered things they claim and talk about. Some talk about some dimensions of God. They have never been there. Some speak of some level through prayer. They have never been there. Some speak of, and, I, and Jesus will appear to you. Jesus has never appeared to them. When you begin to enter into these dimensions, in the holy place, on the table of fellowship. Remember, it must happen on the table of fellowship. On the table of fellowship, that is where you begin to give grace. You grow into, into understanding the mysteries of the spirit. Let me show you who a true prophet is. Now, a true prophet is not just a man that calls out numbers and, 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 and telephone numbers. Now, a true prophet is a man that speaks over territory. And the fullness of God's presence happen and make things happen. And you are about to see such people. You will never, these people are actually not seen. They are people that are hiding and they are praying for the nations. They are praying and decree, decreeing things over nations. And very soon you will see strange things happening. Some are in their room and they are praying for hospitals. And I'm telling you very soon, you shall hear on the news that a hospital's patient, all the patients have, have left. Because people were lying on their beds and they got up and they were well and they were going home. These are words of people. Because Jesus said, if anybody speaks and it does not come to pass. Don't limit prophecy or a prophet to word of knowledge. Now for you to become a sound prophet, let the teachings of Jesus be in your mouth. Because the Bible said the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. See a man that preaches Jesus. He carries. An entourage of heaven. There are so many angels. Look. 
Like I told you about Pastor Chris. He was leaving to go and preach in a particular day. And Jesus stopped him. He made all his people leave. And then he stopped him. And he said, Chris, tonight, Moses, Elijah, Paul, and Peter, and I, we will sit and watch your meeting together with a cloud of witnesses. Then he said, go. But according to the story, before that incident happened, when they were about leaving, the walls in the room started shaking. And they were making noise and they were talking that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Pastor Chris was not aware. As he came out of his room and he came there, he was lost. He was lost. Then the Lord entered and said, tonight, Jesus came by the Holy Ghost just to tell him that I'm going to watch your meeting. I'm telling you, COVID, Pastor Chris was the leader of the men of God that spoke for all these things to come to, to cease. And everything he said by the word of God was exactly what the people were doing. And he spoke. He said, it will not happen. He said, this is a debacle. He said, this is this. this it will not. And they began to pray. And all the matters ceased. All these prophets that talk about, and I saw this, and I saw president, and they will leave. See, they don't even understand the prophetic. Do you think today, God really cares about the country like that? No. He cares about his people that are in the country. God doesn't call anybody a nation prophet. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Look. Don't learn after the world. Don't learn after the world. When you stay in the outer court, you want to do what everybody does. Separate yourself to another level. To the holy place. And keep fellowshipping with the table. And keep eating the word of his, you know, the show bread. The bread of his presence. As you eat the word. Do you know that thing alone is communion? Communion is fellowshipping. I don't know who brought that idea that communion must be taken every month. I think it's the voice of the devil to cut off the saints from fellowshipping every day. Because the commandment of God, what Jesus was that, do this I said, as often as you do this. Now when you read the book of Acts, the Bible says that sometimes they meet, they don't teach. They only come to, pray, uh, to, 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 to break bread. I think in Acts chapter 5 verse 42 or something, or 45, the Bible says, and as they met to break bread, Paul preached. Which means the meeting was not for preaching. They only met like this, to break bread. They understood bread breaking. They understood it's a place of fellowship. They understood that it was for their health. They understood that in the place of communion, that is when a man is trained onto government. So Peter can boldly go out there Look at their lifestyles. They could boldly go out there and talk about Christ. They will be whipped. They will be put into prison. But when they leave them, they will come back again. They were breaking bread. The Bible says that, and they go from house to house and they break bread. When you have a visitor, the best thing you offer them is alcoholic wine. Born again. Look at it. Daily. Daily. Not week. Not month. Daily, 
they met together where in the temple court and in one other's another's home to celebrate communion they shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility so before you give them jollof rice you must give them the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus Instead of boasting with alcoholic wines in your room, yes, boast with communion wine yes, and show bread. When people come, you say, Can we pray together? Can we break the Lord's body? Can we can we feast? Can we it's, it's fellowship? It's communion. You point and then you share bread, and then you thank the Lord for his body, for his blood. That is why till date, people still don't understand communion. You eat yet you are sick. You are, you are eating communion, yet you are sick. Hmm. Yeah. Look at it. They do it in tender humility. In other one's homes. I mean, today, if I come to mommy's house, I take communion. If I live there and I come to your house, communion. If I go there, communion. If I go to 50 house that day, communion, 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 communion. So my question is, where did that thing come from? That communion are supposed to be happening once a month. And even before the month, you must sanctify yourself. It's a week of holiness. So if you are not, if you are not married, you won't eat. If you haven't covered your head, you won't eat. If you have not b- born again, you, if you are not baptized, you won't eat. Okay. The people that ate the communion, they were not born again. Peter, James, when they were sharing with Jesus, they were not born again. Were they? Oh, you don't know. You have no idea how the Lord wants everybody to eat his body and eat his flesh. You have no idea. You see, Jesus has given to us for free. Men are using their mind, which is infused and directed by devils to stop people from communion. Don't you understand? The Bible says that said, Do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. How many people, when is the last time you eat, you take the communion? And as you, are, you put in your mouth, you remember the Lord. People are not even taught how to take it. So everybody's in a hurry. You just take the communion, you put in your mouth. Is that what we are told? He says he took it and he broke it. it the breaking represents Jesus on the cross when he was nailed. You must think of him in that manner. Break the bread. He said, my body was broken for you. Can you see the difference here? And the blood. If you don't understand covenant, you will never understand the blood. That's how come instead of concentrating on the blood, you are concentrating on the taste of the drink. Yes, sir. It's the first chapter 11. He said, and there were some that died. Some that, that became weak. Because they did not count the, body, the Lord's body worthy. The only qualification for eating communion is not whether you live with somebody's... It's not whatever. The only thing that qualifies you is that you acknowledge the Lord's body as worthy. Worthy. So you can take two. Or you can take and then out of hunger you say, you want to take another one. Listen, I'm going to spend some time and talk to you about communion. I will talk to because communion, the revelation must always come fresh to you. Otherwise, you become a ritual. When it becomes a ritual, it doesn't work. That's what's happening in a whole lot of churches. So, so the, the miracle that the Bible tells us about communion, we don't see it in churches. 
I have seen, I'm telling you, I have seen malaria live in my house. In my house, there was a boy that was living with us. He woke up one morning, he was shaking, he was shaking, sweating. No, he wasn't sweating, but he was shaking, cold, cold. And we called him because in my house we have communion every morning. And then we took communion. I prayed over it and I explained to him what it means, what he should do. You know, he was standing, we were standing somewhere here, and there was a three in one couch here. Immediately I gave the communion to him. He broke the bread, he put it in his mouth. He took the wine and he drank, drank it. Somebody carried him up like this and threw him boom in the chair. God is our witness. He was there. From here, boom, like this. Boom. When he hit the chair, boom, and he woke up, he started sweating. That was all. Malaria left him. I saw Henia like this, like my fist. Henia. After communion, we went into the room and came back. Henia was vanished. You know, normally they say when they operate Henia, it comes back again. For about seven years, Henia never showed up. Jesus gave us communion for our health, not for our healing. Not for healing, but for health. So that you walk in, in the dimensions of health. I'm telling you, when a venomous viper even bites you, poison doesn't work in your body. That is the essence of communion. Jesus knows why. He says that eat this as often, as often, as often. As often. You are sick. You've gone to the hospital. They say this and that. Okay. When they give you medication and they tell you one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening, you are very meticulous. You, you take it as, as it is. But Jesus has given you his body and his blood. But it doesn't make sense to you because you have not been taught well. If you take the communion in the morning, like you are taking medicine. Because he said, anyone, I'm the bread of life that came from heaven. Anyone that eats my body says, shall not die. Shall not die. So you eat it. You take the, if you are sick, do that. You take it in the morning. You take it in the evening. You take it in the morning. You take, don't pray. Don't pray. Just eat it. Just acknowledge the, body, the Lord's body. You want to lose weight? Drink communion. When I read the Bible, eh, I'm always particular about the thing Jesus will hit his chest and say. I put my life on it. If he says, I am the door, I put my life on it. If he says, I am the bread, I put my life. Whatever Jesus say, I, I, I put my life on it. You know why? He doesn't die any longer. There's no iota of lies in, his, in him again. He said, let all men be lie, let him be true. It means that whatever he has said, I, is truth. You can put your life on it. He said, I am the bread of life. The bread of life. Come every day to me. Come where? Every day. Once a month. Please, go and buy drink. Coke or something. This is your communion. If you can buy communion wine, put it somewhere. Get bread or biscuit. Every morning. You don't need big cup. Listen, listen, remember the short bread is on the fellowship table. You have no idea. As you take the communion, you are fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. 
Do this every day. There's a young, there's a, a man of God called Smith Wigglesworth. Why you see people do miracles, wonders? Don't let it excite you. Go and look, listen to what he used to do. Communion. And that's what built presence. He said his mind began to open into understanding the word of God. Um, Lester Samuel, the guy that wrote the Lester Samuel, the, uh, God's general. He was going to his house in London and he was holding a newspaper. As he opened the door and he saw the newspaper, he banged the door again. He said, newspapers don't enter into my house. They are false news. He said, so the man threw the newspaper. He said, come in. Then he took the original news, the word of God. And he began to read. What is your principle? Your principle and how you raise people and accept visitors in your house is as a result of your understanding of your fellowship with the father. How can a Christian come to your house and the best thing you think is, is wine, red wine, with alcohol? Is that what the Bible asks you to welcome people with? No. He's told you. Acts chapter 20. You don't like it. I know you don't like it, but I'm telling you. You have communion when they come in. When they are leaving, you give them communion. For communion, poo poo. Do you know, when a man comes into your house and you give them communion, you are trying to tell them that let us remember the Lord. He said, do this in remembrance. In rem See, when you are in the outer court, these things, you don't think about it. You, don't, you easily forget the Lord. You only remember him when you are in trouble. You only remember him when you have things. But when you move here, in the place of fellowship, the Lord is always on your mind. You talk to him every day. How many of you have been speaking to the Holy Spirit throughout the day? I'm not talking, I'm not saying once in a while, like throughout talk the day. You talk, yeah. He's always on your mind. I'm talking to somebody and I was talking to the Holy Spirit. The person was talking to me. I, some way, somehow, I just shut the person up and I started talking to the Holy Spirit unconsciously. Naturally, he would have been, the person would have been angry, but it was worked well. This morning, I've been fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Plenty. In the washroom, in the corridors, everywhere, behind my desk, fellowshipping, talking to the Holy Spirit. I could feel oil on my skin. As we were having the meeting, one of them said, are you a pastor? And I got up and I said, why? He said, the way you talk, there's something about you. And I opened the door and I said, yes, I am. And one said, do you have a church, your own, your own church? I said, the church of Christ. <laughs> I don't have church. <laughs> Jesus has a church. He said, I, I would like to come. He said, I would like to come and pay you a visit. I didn't invite anybody to church. When a man is saturated with the presence of the Holy Spirit, you get people speaking. I told you, if you're a woman, they are, it is, we are in the era where people will look at you with the eyes of, eyes of lust. Once they see you, you are pretty. The first thing is that I want to sleep with you. That is what is on the mind. That is what Satan has fed it to be. So if you acknowledge me, I will direct your path. In the same economy where people are dying, people are struggling, there are other people that are also enjoying in Christ. Satan is deceiving. Listen, build glory. Build presence. Tina, build presence. So when a man sees you and he calls, as he sees you, he's not, he can't look at you with lust. Because there's something about you called glory that will make them see the virtue, the virtuous woman you are. See, the Bible says three things. 
worry as well. The last of the eye, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life. Pride. Please vacate the crowd. Move one step ahead. It might not be easy, but start talking to the Holy Spirit. Put off your phone for some 10 minutes. Holy Spirit, I thank you. That's what I'm saying. When, when I finish teaching you this sanctuary, you can use it to pray. You pray the gate. You pray the brazen altar. Oh, you thank God. You thank Jesus for offering himself as a sacrifice, as a lamb for your sin. You see, you must understand it so you can pray. And you can pray that and thank him and thank him. And when you are done, you move to the, the bronze lava and you begin to thank God for the word that washes you clean. For the word of God that is able to change your mind. For the word of God that is able to show you the will of God. That, you know, you begin to thank him for his word. After thanking him for his word after a while, then you move into the holy place. As you get into the holy place, you see the menorah and you thank him for choosing you as part of the church. As a royal priest, as a holy nation, you begin, you begin to choose him. You, know, you begin to thank him that he has chosen you and the Holy Ghost as a light upon your life. Making him the light of this world without the menorah the whole holy place is dark you begin to thank him then you move on to the table of fellowship and of the bread and you begin to thank him at that point in time you take communion and then you continue to thank him you continue to thank him for the fellowship of the holy spirit oh jesus i thank you that you have given me the holy spirit here on earth who can feel my feelings who can feel what i'm going through and can talk to me he rests to me that he may tabernacle my body he rests down to me that he may be with me and show me the things of god reveal jesus to me more lead me in the path of the word you know you begin to talk about the holy spirit when you are done then you move to the altar of incense. What is this altar of incense? Now listen, this altar of incense represents Christ praying for the church. This is not the prayer of the saints. This is the prayer that the Lord is praying for the church. Remember, the Bible just told you that all the people were outside. <laughs> all the people were outside. The incense said the prayer of the saint. A saint is a born again. You are not born again, you are not a saint. Hmm? So you sitting here, you don't need to die to be called a saint like the Catholic seed. Once you are born again, you are a saint. God calls us saints. So you see, the prayer of the saints. Now, Jesus, you and I, we have been able to amass <laughs> two people from the Godhead to be praying for you. This incense is being offered the whole day, day and night. Do you know what it means? Jesus is praying for me day and night. The Holy Spirit is praying for me day and night. Can you see that? Yes, Let me show you some scriptures. Hmm. Oh, you must appreciate what Jesus is doing for you. Show me Romans chapter 8 verse 34. He's interceding for you and I. 24-7. Day and night. Day and night. Jesus is praying for me. Why won't you thank him? Look at it. Who then is left to condemn us? 
Certainly not Jesus. The anointed one. For he gave his life for you. Where? On the brazen altar. He gave his life for you there. And even more than that, he has conquered death. Oh, I didn't hear amen. Are you here at all? Are you seeing the word? He has conquered death. And is now risen. Exalted and enthroned by God. At his right hand. So how? How? Could he possibly condemn us? Since he. He is continually praying for our triumph. Jesus. The golden altar. With the incense. He's praying the right prayers to the Father. He's the one that has the right words unto the Father. He's the one that knows your heart and your intent. And he knows what they mean. And he's praying for you without your knowledge. As you are sitting down here right now. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. And he's praying for the triumph of the church. How can he condemn you? He's praying continually. Continually. I wonder how he does it. But all I know is from the word of God that Jesus is praying for me continually. So you see, when you enter into prayer concerning a particular matter, you just need to let the word of God change your mind and let you know that you have somebody praying with you. Don't ever let the the devil think that you are all alone. There is somebody praying with you. (laughs) Jesus is praying with me. He's praying for me. He's praying with me. Hebrews 7.25 Oh, the Holy Ghost is also praying for you in Romans chapter 8 verse 26-27 Now, Hebrews 7.25 says that so he is able to save fully from now through eternity. Everyone who comes to God through him so you see, everyone who walks through the gate embraces the brazen altar you see because they must go to God continually hears the word he said what because he lives to pray continually for them Jesus continually prays for them when you come into Christ Jesus is praying for you continually see if you give me your prayer topic I might not pray continually for you I'm the wrong person to pray for you (laughs) I can try. I will pray. But as I am praying for you, I am depending on the one that prays continually. There is no human being that prays continually for another. But there is a Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is one that stands between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. He is the only one that intercedes and prays because you have come into him. You have come into him. He prays for you continually. You think you are giving up? He's praying for your triumph. He's praying for your triumph. Hey. He's praying for your triumph. (laughs) Until you enter into the realm and the atmosphere of your triumph. Jesus is not not stopping the prayer. He's still praying for you. He's still praying for you. Oh. That is when you appreciate Jesus. 
Now, when we are done, you realize that right from the entrance to the holiest of holies, it is all about Jesus. And what about Jesus do we see there? I will show you soon. Now, after you have given the incense on the brazen altar, then, you see, the brazen altar is given in front of this curtain. Now, the Bible says that this curtain is the, is the veil. It's called veil. Apple. You see, the apple, the veil. Now, this apple or the veil, it veils everything from the holies of holies to the outside from what is here. So, listen. It does two things. It protects the people from God. Because when it is opened, their sins shall be seen. And when their sins are seen, the just of God shall go out. And no one will survive. Then the other way around is that because of their sins, and because they are not fully saved, because they have conscience, sin consciousness, they are also not permitted to see the Lord of glory. Because now, apart from these three things that are important in the holy place, there is only one thing that is important for, for God. And that important thing is where he resides. So, in the holy place, we have the ark of God. Now, the ark of God, I've already showed you this before. The measurement is like the throne in, on which God sits. The measurement. If you look at the measurement of God's throne, the measurement of the ark, they are all the same. The cubit meters. Now, and then, it is made of the shitting wood. Now, wood in the Bible represents humanity. And it is called the shitting wood because of how strong it is. It is so strong that animals, it take, it's difficult for, for animals to eat the wood. So they use it to represent Jesus as humanity. And then he said, he said that they should cover this um, wood, they should cover it with golden cover. Okay? In and out. The same scenario like the ark. You remember the pitch? In and out. Now, this golden altar, sorry, the golden covering, is what we call the mercy seat. Why the mercy seat? Because you see, the sitting wood is like a box like this. That's how it was fashioned out. And inside there were three items as well. Which always reminds God of, of man's sin. The first one was called the manna in the jar. Okay? What is the manna? You remember that when God gave the manna to them, he gave them certain instructions not to take some into their room. They were murmuring. They were doing all sorts of things. They were asking Moses, can't God give your God that gave us manna, can't he give us meat to eat? They were murmuring. They were talking. And to, the Bible said God was angry at them. But because of Moses, he did not. So, God asked Moses to keep some of them in the golden jar and keep it in that box. The next one was the tablet. The Ten Commandments. Which was broken. Now, the Ten Commandments was given because of the sins of men. And it was broken because of their foolishness. God's word, they broke it. 
because when God came with Moses, they had they had raised uh, you know raised another God and worship. And Moses' anger caused him to throw the 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 the, um, the tablet, and he broke it. And God says, "Keep this one into." So you see, this one, the broken. That is the pot that contains manna. Manna in Hebrew means what is this? That's what it means. What is this? Okay? Because they didn't know what it was. The first thing they saw, they were like, what is this? Now, and then there was Aaron's rod. Now, Aaron's rod was (laughs) contention about God's authority or God's choice of selection. Because God has chosen Aaron. And the other people around him are saying that why would God have to choose Aaron? We do we are human beings like Aaron. Why won't God choose us? So they were murmuring and they went to Moses. And Moses went to God. And God said, okay, let all of you bring your stuff into my temple. Tomorrow morning, come and pick it up. The one whose stuff has some flowers budding out of it, he's the one that I have chosen. So the following morning when they went for it, it was only Aaron's rod that has budded. Meaning that God has truly chosen Aaron. So now that contention about leadership, don't joke with leadership. It does not matter your age or your or whoever you are. If God has chosen a little child as an authority, don't fight it. It was one of the reasons why God, God hated it. And so he picked that rod. Anytime you see that rod, he remembers contention of man against God's chosen. That's why I keep telling you, don't ever speak against any man of God. I don't care if he has done what they are saying he is doing. He has done. Whether he has done it or not, shut your mouth. You did not choose him. Let the one who chose him deal with him. Don't join the people of contention. God is not happy about it. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about Apostle Joshua, Joshua Suleiman. He has done this, and he has done this, and he has done. It. First, it was TB Joshua. He has gone for Juju. He has gone for this. Now, Pastor Chris, he, he, he saw a snake in his house, and then, and then, blah, blah, blah. Hey, God saw that you were there, you and your whole family. But he bypassed you, and he chose the man that will do the wrong thing that he's doing. He chose him. David's brothers were there, but God chose David. When David came, he slept with people's wives. I'm not encouraging that. He he killed somebody. He did crazy things. Yet they did not speak against him. Saul did a whole lot of crazy things, but David dared not to speak against him. He says, how can you touch the Lord's anointed? Today, people, that is why you see the revival is coming. The fear of God is not to come and kill people, but the fear of God is coming again to, to straighten out things and to shape up things. People go to school small. People get some small money. People, and then they think they can speak against the selections of God. Reason why nobody can even speak against you, the born again, because you were chosen. You were chosen. Nobody can speak to you anyhow. Or, no, 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 no. The person puts himself in eternal damnation. I keep telling you. You are my people. I'll tell you. 
when you hear any matter in this, uh, on internet, some of them are from the pit of hell. Some of the information, people can, can, they can record people's messages and doc, my friend said doctor it or what. They can, they can take pictures and they can do all, now technology is increasing. Pray about it. When God tells you, you see, God will never tell you the mandate because God doesn't gossip. Especially if you want it for four something. God doesn't gossip. Except he wants you to help the person out of it. Like when Moses, uh, David killed, is it Uriah? Yeah. Then he sent the prophet to go and tell him. Even though he didn't say it in plain words. He said, because of what you have done. He said, God is not a gossip. Remember people that say, I've seen this about you in detail. Some of them are the familiar spirits. The Holy Spirit is not a gossip. Except he wants you to tell. When um, William Abraham, when he was prophesying and, and healing people, amazing stuff. Then he decided to enter into teaching. Because he can see that a lot of the men, young men are also teaching the word. And then he started teaching heresy. Started teaching stuff. God sent Kenneth Hagan. He said, go tell your brother that he should just stop what he's doing and go back into the power supernatural. And leave the teachings for the people that have called to teach. That was all. When William Abraham said he would not listen, God didn't send him again. He sent another person. Because God is not gossip. He doesn't come to you and say, I send Now Okokan is saying, no, no. He sent another person to go. After a while, when he didn't listen, God had to take him back to heaven. God had to take him back to heaven. Satan entered into his ministry and caused, gave him a little arrogance. They were calling him because they had built one of the biggest tents. And then they wanted him to come and be part of the pastor that would be preaching there and, 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 and blessing God's people. He said, no, he wanted to do it alone. When you start walking in this manner, pride has, um, Satan has entered the place. When he left, he said he was going to rest for a while. When he came back after one year, God has raised this Bob, this, all these guys, amazing, A.A. Allen, and all these guys. He had, they were up there and they were doing amazing. When he came, one person can fill a whole tent. And then he realized that Charlie Wakech, all the power and everything, God, you think you are the best person, the only person? It takes God a second to raise other people. That is why this job is out of humility. So at the end of the day, he was involved in an accident. It wasn't God that orchestrated. When you get yourself into an area where God has not sent you, you expose yourself to devils. Devils can touch you. So he got into a fatal accident. The wife died instantly. You see? How he got the wife into trouble? If he had stayed on his lane, the wife would not have, but the wife died. And since it was him that pulled his wife into that matter, God made him raise the wife. The healing power was still there. So he pulled himself and pulled himself on the floor until he could stretch his hand. And according to the story, when the fingers touched the wife, the wife came back to life. Fully healed. And he passed on and died. God called him to heaven. May God not call you on early. There are people that will substitute you. And today we have people that, that prophesy amazingly like Abraham. Amazing healings like Abraham. Have you heard Pastor Chris prophesy before? You'll be amazed. If you're looking at one of the heavyweight prophets in the world, 
Pastor Chris. Go back and listen to Pastor Chris's message on, on, on prophecy and watch every one of them. A man that can give another man life when his time of death had come. You think it's a joke? Don't men of God pray for people that are dying. After prayer, they die. <laughs> After prayer, they die. Hubert Angel, God told him, according to the life I gave you on earth, 30th November is your last day on the earth. I'm coming for you. 30th November, last year. He went to Pastor Chris. The Lord himself spoke to Pastor Chris and said, the guy has lost oxygen. Breathe life into him. In a meeting, they were worshipping. You don't joke with worshipping like Christ and Bazi. Do worshipping. And worshipping for hours. Worshipping. Then he will call Pastor Hubert uh, uh, Angel, come and prophesy. You could tell that Hubert Angel, the prophecy, you know, and shut down back. And he subi. He was because the guy was he was living that day. So he told the wife, "Let's get out. I can't die in the church. Let's let's go. As we are going on the road, I can I can die peacefully and go to heaven." Angels were waiting for him. The angel that prophesied with him had come waiting for him. He was just waiting for him to transit, you know, from the body, and then he would just go. And he was smiling. I said, "The angel sees me and keeps smiling." Thirtieth, I'm coming for you. And there's no fear. Yeah. When you know you are going to, why do you fear? Yeah. But then he came to Pastor Chris, come. And Pastor Chris just held him. And that was all. You, you should go and he, he carried him. Boom! Boom! When he woke up, the angel of the Lord said, your life has been extended. And the angel said, you had lost oxygen that will help you carry you through. Pastor Chris has blown new life to sustain you and to project and to extend your years. You don't joke with such a man. Train yourself like that. Separate yourself. Keep talking to the Holy Spirit. Keep worshiping. When you come to church early and there's nobody doing anything, don't come and sit down. Keep fellowshipping. The Holy Spirit is here. In your room, pick a chair, sit down. Keep pacing up and down. Acknowledge his presence. Talk to him. When you are done, if you tell me the Holy Ghost manif um, uh, fellowships with you, and when you are done, he doesn't lead you into the word of God. Please. It's a familiar spirit. Ah, you, saw, you saw it. The table of fellowship and the bread of his presence. You can't take away the fellowship of the Holy Spirit from the word. You cannot. The two must be done. He, he excites you he stirs you up into the word. He will show you things by experience, by experience and then he will lead you into the word of God to go and find out there. Anytime you are done fellowshipping, the word of God comes alive. You have an appetite for the word. If you tell me you fellowship and you don't have appetite for the word, please watch out again. He said, and when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Follow the scriptures. Ask yourself, why is it that I'm fellowshipping? I love to fellowship, but I don't have appetite for the word. Uh-uh. It's not him. Are you following me? Yes, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man is born of the water and of the word. Uh, sorry, the water and of the spirit. You cannot separate the word from the spirit. The essence of fellowship is the activation 
of of your affinity for the word of God. Can you see this? Why am I saying this? Because when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, he keeps speaking to your mind and bringing things to your thoughts that you can only find in the word of God. This is how he also confirms his authority, his authenticity to you. Any spirit that talks to you that does not authenticate themselves in the word of God, run away. I'm telling you, even when Jesus reveals himself to you and he will never finish without saying, as it is written in my word. At least he will give you three scriptures in the word to confirm that you are talking to Jesus. Because the Bible said there are angels that also appear, demons, Satan, as angel of light. Do you know what it means? I'm telling you, Satan does not come like this. Like we, no, he, when you see him, he's a perfect gentleman. He doesn't talk like you think he, hey, no, he doesn't, not like that. Adam and Eve will run away. But he was talking. Thank you for listening to this message. We believe you have been blessed by it. We are Word and Spirit and we invite you to worship with us. You will fall in love with our Wednesday teaching service, Christian Raymond Knight, at 6 p.m. Encounter the supernatural in our prophetic service on Friday at 6 p.m. And sit under the reign of heaven in our Frenessa service on Sunday at 8 a.m. Follow the Prophet of God on his official Facebook page, Prophet Danny-LJedu, and on Instagram at Prophet Danny-LJedu. For videos, you can subscribe to his YouTube channel. To receive our weekly newsletters, please subscribe to www.pdgministries.org. You can contact Word and Spirit International on plus 233-54722-1773 or plus 233-54937-7290 or plus 233-50432-8959 or plus 233-27510080. So many people have received testimonies by listening to these podcasts. Now, if you are one such person, share your testimony with us by leaving a write up of it in the comment section or send it to us via email to contact pdgministries.org you were made to live from glory to glory and your testimony is about to shake the world you are blessed Name.